it's Chris Ryan for Tell the Damn Story, and we are still here at Deadly Inc. Writers Conference, and I'm here speaking with Carol Geisander. Hi, Carol. Hey, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. So, um, how are you liking the uh, weekend? Oh, this is really cool. It's my first time being here at Deadly Inc. I'm a member of Sisters in Crime, and I go to some of the Mystery Writer Association meetings, but it's my first time coming to this conference, and I've had a lot of great panels and presentations. Great. So talk. let's talk about you for a while. Uh, tell us something about uh, your background. What, what in your background led you to be a, a writer? What did you do? Well, I, I used to read all the time when I was a kid. We moved every two years, and I would show up in a new town and not know anybody, so I'd read a book or two a day over the summer. And I read a lot of science fiction, and I read a lot of mysteries, including Agatha Christie and then Dick Francis and uh, Tony Hellerman and, and all those. So everything I write tends to have a little bit of flavor of mystery in it, and then there's some other stuff. Cool, and we'll get to some of that other stuff yeah. a little later. So uh, how did you make the leap into writing? It's kind of funny to say it this way, but Harlan Coben is somebody who lived in my town. Uh, we, we both shared the same town. 20-some-odd years ago, he came to speak to a luncheon that I was attending, and he was talking on and on about his writing process, and I said, wow, this is really kind of cool. I, I've always wanted to write. I, I think I'd like to do that. And, of course, he continued writing bestsellers for a long time, and 20 years later, I started. So. <laughs> so it took a while. So uh, a bit a of advice, bit, and it took a while. Yeah. So what do you write? Let's talk about your books. I, I write a couple different things. I have a number of novellas and short stories that are in the punk genre, and that would be cyberpunk and steampunk and such like that. And those are with Writer Punk Press. That's an independent press uh, that makes anthologies of stories inspired by classics. And how did you get involved in cyberpunk, steampunk? What was the attraction for you? It ties in with the science fiction that I've read in the past, and I also like to dress up at, and go to steampunk conventions because that's just really fun. Fantastic. We need yeah. some pictures. Ah. All right. Um, so what else do you write? We're going to come back to the steampunk. Uh, steampunk. Mm -hmm. It's been a long weekend. It is. Um, what else do you write? I also write some horror stuff. I didn't think I wrote horror. I thought I was uh, uh, doing different things. But a number of people pointed out, you know, you've got a really evil twist in a few of these stories. <laughs> so I said, yeah, you know, you do. You, so, you know, I do. It, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, so you said the uh, steampunk, cyberpunk versions of classics. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, this this started out with a, a Facebook group. And one of the guys in, and we were talking about punk genre, uh, subgenre of science fiction. And one guy said, hey, I'd really like to write a, you know, a, a steampunk version of Hamlet. And somebody else said, oh, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. And I, I started saying, dibs on Macbeth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so nothing happened with this thing until uh, my, my, uh, co-project coordinator, Jeffrey Cook, put a stake in the sand and said, deadline. If you guys get a story in by this date, we will put them together. So I wrote a cyberpunk version of Macbeth. Fascinating. Yeah, it was really fun. And it's funny because it turned out to be a mystery as well. All those mysteries I read as a kid made me realize and think that you want mystery elements in a story to make it interesting. So. Uh, what you put into yourself comes out in your writing. Yeah. Isn't that true? Isn't that so cool? where did um, was it a steampunk or a cyberpunk Macbeth? Which was it? Uh, it was cyberpunk Macbeth. And where did that wind up? We've got five anthologies in total out of Writer Punk Press. Our first two are based on Shakespeare, so I have one in the the first anthology, Sound and Fury. 
and I have one based on Henry V in uh, our second one, Much Ado About Nothing. And then we've got, uh, I'm sorry, that's Once More Into the Breach. It has been a long weekend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what happens panel after panel. Yeah. But then we did two more anthologies. One was based on Poe, and uh, that's merely This and Nothing More, where I wrote a clock punk take on The Raven, which was kind of fun. Now, what's a clock punk as opposed to steampunk or cyberpunk? That is an excellent question. Clock punk has more to do with um, wind-up stuff than it does with steam stuff. So, Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. And, I mean, you could make a, a, a point of why are we making all these individual differentiations between subgenres. It's like because we can and because it's fun and it okay. makes a, a really cool aesthetic when you twist it a certain way. All right, so it's more about the fun as opposed to any new set of rules or this or that. I, I In my mind, it is, yeah. Excellent, excellent. And um, one of the things that I caught uh, that I thought was really interesting was that you say a lot of these books show up in... Oh, we have one other to talk about before mm. we get... Uh, but a lot of these books show up in schools and, the, and, and yeah, st- that's, uh, teachers are giving them to kids. Yes, that's something we did from the very beginning. We, we said that these anthologies should be some sort of punk genre. They should be clearly identified by a a classic work that's in the public domain so that we don't get sued. Mm -hmm. And the third thing was that they had to be PG-13 because we wanted to be able to use them in schools. And uh, we've had a number of English teachers say, my kids in my English class are much more willing to read Macbeth as a cyberpunk story and then read the play. Um, because some kids are put off by Shakespeare. You know, the, the wording is different and, and such like that. I so. teach Hamlet every year. Yeah. And you can just see the, the, the breaks go on, and we have to we have yep. to work past yep. that. Yep. So this yep. is another bit of uh, my arsenal that I yeah. will use. I wanted to come back. There was one other, hid, Hideous Progeny. Yeah. What, what's in there? Well, this is our latest one that we've just put out, and this is uh, Classic Horror Goes Punk. So we've got a couple different takes on... Frankenstein. We've got one on Dracula, one on Countess uh, uh, Carmilla, and, and such like that, and a couple Lovecraft stories. I have oh. a cyberpunk story that was inspired by the color uh, outer space. Cool. So. Excellent. 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 So let's talk about your um, your writing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, are you a plotter or a pantser? I'm a plantser. So okay, explain Plantser. <laughs> that's a little bit of both. What I do is I write out a, a, a basic plot. I do maybe 1,800 words of what my story is overall. I divide it up into chapters, and then I will go through, open up the thing for the chapter, and uh, write what it says to do. But I don't know exactly how I'm going to do each chapter until I get to it. Okay, so I'm plotting it. And I, I, a yeah, I pants, you know, the idea. I, I, I will say something to the effect that. Mary has to get to the zoo and find the zebra. Well, I don't know. Is she going to take the train? Is she going to, you know, kidnap uh, somebody and make him drive her there? I don't know what's going to happen until I actually sit down to do that. So that's kind of fun. That's, that's very kind of cool. Fun. That's very cool. I can't. I have got to write that story now, though. <laughs> I definitely want to see that one. Um, so, uh, do you get all the way through your draft before you do any rewriting, or how does it work for you? I try to do that. I started writing with NaNoWriMo, and the idea there is you do 50,000 words in the month of November as a volunteer thing, and it's meant to get you to write the darn book and just keep doing the words without going back to To edit. To get through the draft, yes. So that's why I like to plot it out ahead of time, because I don't have time. If I'm doing 1,700 words a day, I don't really have time to go back and rewrite as well while I'm Mm -hmm. doing that. 
Um, but that's how I wrote my first piece, which I didn't even talk about, which is actually an amateur detective story. So that was uh, my first. What's that called? Uh, Scrapbook Sleuth joins the band. And that's okay. one that I wrote, and I finished it within a year, and I sort of put it down because I got involved with writer punks. So now I'm going back to clean it up and revise it, and I hope to get that uh, published soon. So once you go through your draft, yeah. and you get, all right, I have a story, mm-hmm. what's the process on getting it from draft to this is ready for submission? I like to put it down for a couple weeks so that I can sort of get a fresh take on it, and I'll go back and look at it. As I'm writing, I tend to make comments as I go, saying I need to resolve this and that and the other thing. Um, sometimes I don't even know what I'm going to put in some spots. I will make marks there. So I'll go back through and look at those notes first and try to clean it up the best I can. And that may take a couple passes. And then I ask uh, either my critique group and or some beta readers to take a look at it. I want to talk about beta readers in a minute. but mm-hmm. I. Um, you did the squiggly, the universal sign for handwriting. So I want to go and, and clarify, do you compose on computer or do you compose on longhand? How do you write? Ah, that's an excellent question. I write on a computer or I dictate. Interesting. How yeah. does that work for you? I use Dragon Naturally Speaking, which I, I understand is one of the best uh, mm-hmm. tools for doing that. And I can go back and forth between typing and dictating depending on where I am. I have a little handheld uh, dictation machine where I can talk into it wherever I am and go home, plug it into the computer, and transcribe. Wow, that's very good. So much faster. Your diction is very clear. I I find I run into um, it not really understanding my Bronx accent. Occasionally I have more of an accent than I at other times. Uh, and, maybe when uh, you get even more tired. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm still working on uh, uh, training the dragon, as they say. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so let's go, uh, let's talk about beta readers. Um, uh, yeah. How many, uh, is it a one-time thing? What goes on? Who is it? Uh, my friend Teal James Glenn is one of my basic beta readers, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he's a writer that comes to a bunch of these things. My friend Joe Kennedy also reads a lot of my stuff. He was one of my earliest readers, and he's given great feedback because he's also in my critique group, uh, both of my critique groups, and uh, that works very well. And depending on what the topic is, I have a couple other folks that I will send things to. Um, so uh, you get your responses back from the beta group. Mm-hmm. If everybody says something that you love isn't working, what do you do? I, I need to throw something first. Um, <laughs> now, I, I find that if I get feedback from a lot of people saying something doesn't work, it's worth paying attention to. Right. And in, in my critique groups, that's one of the things that we do uh, when we go around the room and everybody gives feedback. If somebody says, I don't understand this character's motivation, and everybody else agrees with it, they'll say, ditto. And then I know that five of the five people felt the same way. Or if they don't agree with it, they'll say anti-ditto, and then I can get a feeling right away how universal that, that feedback That's is. That's great. Um, what's the rewriting process for you? Oh, painful. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I tend to sit down and uh, go back through for the big things first, clearly, and get all my basic plot points fixed. And then I'll go back and I'll look at my tent stuff and the way I've described things, I tend to write the dialogue first, and then I have to go back through and add description and uh, some idea of what the action is and the setting and, and things like that. But I start with the, the words and the talking, be- maybe because I talk a lot, you know, but that's what works for me. That's yeah. great, that's great. Um, 
I think I've covered most of that. Yeah. Um, how do you know it's ready for submission? What is, what's the key thing for, oh, it's ready to go. Deadline. <laughs> because okay. yeah because you're never I think you're never done when you're writing sometimes you may say okay I'm going to tie a bow on it and put it away because I'm, I'm done but I always feel like there's more that I can do but I, it's like the, the the long tail thing the bulk of your work comes at the beginning and then at the end you're doing further and further revisions but right. you know you get a little bit less out of it at the end each yeah, time yeah. yeah diminishing returns yeah, yeah. all right so um where can people find this uh, steampunk, cyberpunk, clockpunk, uh, <laughs> classic literature rein reinventions. Well, there's two places to look. If you want to find out more about Writer Punk Press itself, you can go to the punkwriters.com website, which is all mushed together just like it sounds. If you're looking specifically for my books, you can go to Amazon under Geisander, which is spelled G-Y-Z-A-N-D-E-R. And I have all the writer punk books there and some other short stories that I've put into uh, some charity anthologies uh, for breast cancer, for Alzheimer's support and such like that. Excellent. Excellent. So cool. thank you for your time. This has been a great interview. Well, thank you. This is so much fun. I'm so glad you're doing this. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. Take care.